Good morning. It's great to see you here today. I uh, bring you greetings from the Wyala Church, where Gay and I have been spending it every second Sunday in that place. Um, they are without pastoral leadership at this moment, and so uh, we've had the opportunity to go up there and, and uh, provide ministry and to uh, help them in uh, leading, leading them through this period of time before a new pastor is found and will arrive. And so um, I bring you greetings from them. It's a lovely place to drive to once a, once a fortnight, drive up and drive back and uh, view, the, view the country around us. We went up one weekend, there was that much dust, I could barely see the road. So I know what it's like to be in a dust storm now. I know what it's like or how easy it would be to lose your way when you can't see. And I think there's a lot of situations in life where the dust of this life blows across our lives and we can lose our way not being able to see properly and truly where we are, where we are headed and where we are going. Now, I've got some pretty stiff competition here today, drawing and Easter eggs. So I, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm going to have to do just a little bit better than my norm in order to, uh, in order to contest with that situation and to uh, gain and maintain your attention uh, whilst we share together. But this is Easter Sunday. This is Resurrection Sunday morning. This is the time... when the ladies led the way. Already we've had the reading from the book of Luke and my passage of scripture reading was identical to that passage. And uh, I, I'm, I think it's such an important passage of scripture that we should actually read it again. I've been handed a little gizmo here, which I think's going to work. Maybe, maybe, maybe... Thank you, Big Gizmo. We'll uh, step in and, and, and fill that place for me. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to read it to you again. I thought Lizzie did a great job in reading it. Thank you very much. You're very sweet. But this is what it's all about. The importance of what happened on Resurrection Sunday morning is only weighed off against what happened on Good Friday when Jesus died. And the value of what Jesus did on Good Friday is seen in the glory of Easter or of Resurrection Sunday morning. They, they play against one another. They stand, that's, why, that's why we live in such a, a half-light world that we fail to see real differences. We, we fail to really grasp the contrast. But this is the, the blackest day of all earth is Good Friday. Of all creation, can you imagine? Can you just try and stretch your imagination for a moment? Here is the very Son of God, the, the person of the Godhead who has been with the Father and the Spirit for, for eternity past has now been clothed with humanity to identify with us. He didn't need it, we did. 
So he identifies with us. And there on this, on this Good Friday, there on this, from God's perspective, this terrible Friday, this day when he had to turn his back upon his son because his son was now taking on him the weight of sin, the root principle of sin, rebellion against God's order, rejecting God, turning our backs on God. Jesus took that root principle. Every sin that inflicts itself upon us or we get involved in every fruit of sin, whether that's sickness or disability or hurts or tragedies, all comes from being disobedient to God. Jesus took that on himself. But the blackness of that day is now outshone by the brightness of Resurrection Sunday morning. You see, the depth of despair that was there on Friday is now overwhelmed and overcome by the glory and the liberty of Sunday morning. If Jesus had just died on the cross, your sin and my sin would be forgiven. But we would still die. And that would be it. There'd be no fruitfulness. Our sins forgiven, fantastic. We just die. Part of God's creation just dies. But what Resurrection Sunday morning did for us is that it brought for us, it brought it forward and it bought it eternal life. The price was paid on Friday so the gift of life could be demonstrated on, on resurrection morning. It's a huge contrast. And the more that you understand about the depths of despair, the greater resurrection Sunday morning is. And the more you glimpse the glory of Sunday morning, the more you see in God's eyes how abhorrent and how desperate was our situation, how dark was our place, that now there's a wonderful great light and a marvellous future that lasts forever. Am I shouting? Yeah, I'm a bit excited. I'm sorry about that. No, I'm not. I'm happy about that. I'm quite glad about that. It is Resurrection Sunday morning. It is time to get excited about it. I was at my model club this week and the guys were talking about what they're going to do on Good Friday. And uh, we got to talk about, just mention church services and there were about four or five of us in this little group and they chorused. They said, oh, we don't believe in that. No, we're doing this and we're doing that. I said, you're all hypocrites. I said, you're taking a day off to remember what Jesus did, but you don't believe in him. Stay at work. Be real. They all looked at me. And then because most of them are retired, they said, oh, we don't have to work anyway. Ha, 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 ha. But the look on, me fa- on their faces told me that there was a, a chord struck in their heart. That they, they gladly would have the benefits of Good Friday, but pay attention to the one, give honour to the one who paid the price for their Good Friday was beyond their thinking and beyond their care and beyond their understanding. Let's read this again. Matthew, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Luke's gospel is the gospel. Luke, being a doctor, had a real heart 
had a real heart for all those who are being touched. And particularly in Luke's gospel, you find a, a real compassion for womanhood. And, uh, and, and so he, 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 out of all the writers, really does support the tremendous... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was the women who led the way. Sadly, guys, we were missing. Sadly, guys, the action was on and we were found missing out of the action. It was the women who were coming to do the work. It says, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified, they bowed their heads to the ground and the men said to them these words, Ti ziatai ton zunta meta ton nekon. Yeah, that means a lot, Paul. It means this, just very simply, why seek the living among the dead? And the one thing I want you to hear today is the success for us in this Christian life is to not go seeking for answers to our perplexities, for answers to our joy, for answers to our lives amongst the dead. We have come into life and we need to seek our answers from the life. The fact that the definite article, the ton, is used before zonta, it means the living one. And it says living one. Necron is a, is, is a plural word. So it says there are many dead, but there's only one living one. Just captured in these few words is, is, a, is the wonderful truth of the, the deity, the greatness of who Jesus is. He is the living one. I've said this before and I'm going to repeat it again because it grips me every time I speak it. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He did not say, I know the way, I've got the truth with me, and I know about life. He didn't say that. He said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in other verses, he said, if you have me, you have life. It's not just knowing about me. It's not just feeling close to me. If you have me, you have life. You will have the truth. You will know the truth. Somehow the truth of God becomes integrated into our lives because of the new birth, our spirit being rejuvenated and, and requickened and recreated. We gain a, a, a communication channel with God that just opens our hearts and our lives and our minds to knowing what it is that God wants. It's a great passage of scripture. I'm not going to read it any further because the part that I want you to remember, the one thing that I want you to remember is don't seek the living one among the dead. He's not there and you won't find Let me read to you a commentary which I found, which I, I find just really encapsulates this whole, this whole season. 
It says, we do not know at what time Jesus arose from the dead on the first day of the week, but it must have been early. The earthquake and the angel in Matthew 28 verses 2 to 4 opened the tomb. But not to let Jesus out, but to let the witnesses in. The tomb wasn't open for Jesus to get out. The tomb was open so we could see he wasn't there. Come and see, go and tell is the Easter mandate for the church. Come and see a risen Saviour, now go and tell anyone and everyone who will listen that we have a risen Saviour. Mary Magdalene had been especially helped by Jesus and was devoted to him, Luke chapter 8 and verse 2. She had lingered at the cross in Mark 15 verse 47 and she was the first at the tomb. With her were Mary, the mother of James, Joanna, and other devout women, Luke 24.10, hoping to finish preparing their Lord's body for burial. They didn't have a hope. They, didn't have a, they, they hadn't even conceived the fact that they were going to find an empty grave. Hoping to prepare the Lord's body for burial. It was a sad labour of love that was transformed into gladness when they discovered that Jesus was alive. Who will roll the stone away was their main concern. The Roman soldiers wouldn't break the Roman seal, especially for a group of mourning Jewish women, but God solved the problem for them. The tomb was open and there was no body there to prepare. At this point, two angels appeared on the scene, Matthew 28, 2, and Mark 16.5 mention only one of the two, the one who gave the message to the women. There was a kind of a rebuke in his message as he reminded them of their bad memories. Now, he's not talking about bad situations in their life, but just the fact that they lacked memory of what Jesus had said. More than once, Jesus had told his followers that he would suffer and die and be raised from the dead. Matthew 6, 21, 17, 22 to 23, 20, 17 to 19, Luke 9, 22, verse 44, chapter 18, verse 31 to 34. How sad it is when God's people forget his word and live defeated lives. I say that again. How sad it is when God's people forget his word and live defeated. Not talking about the world out there. The world out there is lost in, in trespasses and sins. The world out there is in darkness. And until something begins to stir in their hearts, they are quite happy to remain the way they are. They're happy to have their drink binges or their activities or their expressions of holiday, their, their skydiving, their fast boat driving, their fast car driving, their big whatever it is, they're happy out there unless something touches their hearts. Unless it's a, perhaps a, a word of testimony from you and I. The mandate of the church, come and see the risen Christ, go and tell. You see, my Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And sometimes God uses you as a living New Testament. He uses you and the words that you say 
just your expression of faith in Christ, God may well use to touch people's lives. And people might be dead in their lives until they actually have a situation where they're out of control, where it's out of their ability to manage it, where it's out of their experience, it's out of their uh, practical skills, and they need a word. And God might just use you to bring a word into their lives. When you speak a word of testimony, when you speak a word of hope in God, it can actually touch their spirit because God takes it and he pushes it to their heart and, and faith grows. And then they can respond to God because now faith has occurred in their lives. Today, the Spirit of God assists us to remember his word. John 14, verse 26, if we remember to call upon him. Obedient to their commission, the women ran to tell the disciples the good news. But the men did not believe them. <laughs> Guys, what's the matter with us? We, were, we didn't even get to the tomb and then we don't believe when the testimony comes. What is, seriously, what is the matter with us? Are we still getting over the fact that we didn't do the right thing in the Garden of Eden? Is it still embedded in our nature so deeply that we choose to blame others and not accept some role of responsibility? I can't go there, but think about that. Boy, guys, what, what is it with us? Men did not believe them. According to Mark chapter 16 and verse 14, Jesus later rebuked them for their unbelief. Mary Magdalene asked Peter and John to come examine the tomb. John chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. And when they saw the proof that Jesus was not there, however, all that evidence said that the body was gone and there was apparently no violence. No dead soldiers lying around. No violence. Mary lingered by the tomb weeping. Jesus himself appeared to her, John 20, verses 11 to 18. It is one thing to see an empty tomb, an empty grave clothes, but it is quite something else to meet the risen Christ. She didn't even recognise him initially. She thought he was the gardener. She said, oh, I'm looking for the Lord that was laid here. What's happened to him? I mean, they've been blown away. How were they going to roll the stone away? Well, God did that for them. He opened the tomb so they could be witnesses and not so Jesus could get out. And now she hears her name being called. She turns around and she's not expecting it. Oh, folk, how blind can we be? How blind can we be that here's Jesus, resurrected and alive, speaking to her, and she cannot perceive, she cannot conceive that this is her risen Christ. Was he wearing a mask or something? I don't think so. It was just beyond her parameters of belief. It was beyond her parameters of experience to dare to believe that this was Jesus, her Jesus, the living Christ, the one who had done and completed what the Bible said he would do. Jesus appeared to her. It is, sorry, it is one thing to see the empty tomb and, and the empty grave clothes, but quite something else to meet the risen Christ. We today cannot see the evidence in the tomb, but we have the testimony of the witnesses found in the inspired word of God. 
And we can live out our faith in Jesus Christ and know personally that he is alive in us. Keep in mind that these women did not expect to see Jesus alive. They had forgotten his resurrection promises. They went to the tomb only to finish anointing his body. To say that they had hallucinations or only thought they saw Jesus is to fly in the face of the evidence. And would this many people hallucinate about the same thing at the same time? Not likely. They became excited witnesses, even to their leaders, that Jesus Christ is alive. When we have morning tea this morning, I want to see some excitement. Yeah, all right, maybe we'll get around to it. I want to see some excitement. Jesus has changed forever your future. Forever your future. Your future would be a grave. Your future would be the cold earth. That's what your future was. That's what my future was. But Jesus has changed it. He's changed it forever. They had forgotten the promises. But Jesus is alive. And I've quoted from the Bible exposition commentary and read that passage to you. Let me, let me say these things now as I, I draw our, our thoughts to a close. The one thing, the one thing is why seek the living among the dead? Why seek the living? That, that's, just, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. You don't come up to a, you don't come up to last night's roast lamb shank bones that are left and say, I'm going to get a meal out of this lot today. You don't go out in the garden which has died from the lack of water and you say, I'm going to get some veggies out of here today. You don't go down the shop that's closed and say, I'm going to get in here today and buy something because I've forgotten to buy it last week when I should have been buying it, but I've forgotten now the doors are shut. You don't do those. You don't go doing dumb things. You don't go seeking for life amongst the dead. You have to seek the living one if you're going to receive life. Easter, sorry, Resurrection Sunday morning tells me that death can't hold life down. That darkness cannot contain or restrain light. In Christ, you and I have begun a whole new life and all the rules are different. And I really think this is an area that we wrestle with. I really think this is an area we, we, we fail to understand. I think it's an area in our experience that we, we haven't come to grips with thoroughly and properly. You won't find rest in the old ways. You won't find peace in the old lifestyle or amongst old friends. You just won't find, people who don't know Christ, you won't find rest or peace there. You won't find fulfilment, neither will you be satisfied in the old things anymore. Because there's new life inside of you. And that new life in you can only be satisfied by communication and living in relationship with the one who is alive.
We have become citizens of heaven first and foremost. <laughs> and listen to this. God doesn't even have to have a tax file number on you. Neither does he have to have a Medicare identification number on you. Neither does he have to have a personnel identification number or even a pension number on you. He knows you by name. That's different. That is different. God knows you by name, individually, personally, relationally, closely. He says, I've got so much love for you, you have not even yet begun to understand how deep my love runs for you. Let me define love. Love is wanting the best for the other person. Love has got, if anyone's thinking anything else, put it out of your brain right now. Whenever you read God's love, do not think of anything else but God wanting the best for you. That's the definition. If you don't follow that, read 1 Corinthians 13. That will describe it for you, what love is. But sadly, and here's our dilemma, I've been born again on the inside. My heart's been changed. Woo! There's a spirit alive in me right now that wasn't there before. It was, it was dead before. Now it's alive. My head is slowly trying to comprehend and catch up with the change that's occurred. A change occurred in here instantly, like that. But my head is now struggling, juggling. Everything I've known now is at sixes and sevens. Everything I know now has to find a new relationship to the experience that's alive in my heart. I'm not relating to the old dead principles of the world any longer. I'm now relating to an, an alive principle who is Jesus Christ, my Saviour and my Lord. But this foot here, this one, or is it this one? I'm not sure. While I'm in this body, I'm in this world. So I, I and you actually now live in two worlds at once. Do you want to know what Jesus felt like when he was on earth as son of man and son of God? Look at yourself. You actually live in two worlds at once. Your heart and your spirit is alive to God in heaven and your body is still attached to your earth. If you don't eat food, you're going to die. So that could be good because you'll get to heaven earlier. Some of us who could afford to, we could probably last a bit longer than some of you, but anyway, we won't go into that today. That's subject for another day. We're alive to God. We live in God's world and we live in this world, this physical world. But this physical world is a created world. This physical world is passing. This physical world is tainted and stained with sin. The Bible simply says this in Romans 8. It says, the whole of creation groans. It, says it groans under the weight of sin. It can't be what it wants to be because sin has stained it. Sin has altered it. That rotten disease, cancer, 
cancer is simply cells of your body have gone rogue. They're rebelling against the rest of your body. That's sin. Bluntly, that's sin. So sickness doesn't come from God. Nothing hurtful comes from God. Everything that's wrong and evil and everything that's dark and bad and sinister all comes out of the root cause of sin. So I've been set alive to God. No sin. But down here, sin. I've got knees. I know I've got knees. They tell me from time to time, you're not as good as you used to be, Paul. Don't try and run like you used to. They crick and they crack and they don't get up so well. I'm finding now today, finding now in my age now, that there are some muscles that don't quite have as much strength as what they had 20 or 30 years ago. I'm finding now that I have to wear glasses. Oh, Oh, there's double the congregation here right now. That's really good. I must do that more often. Because here's the truth. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, I am the old Paul, the Paul who was dead in trespasses and sins. He has been crucified with Christ. But the fact is, nevertheless, I live. I'm crucified, which, which ends life, which kills people. I'm crucified, yet I live. Wow, that's a conundrum. How does that happen? Because I'm living in two different areas. I'm living in two different realms. I'm alive in the spirit. I'm alive in God. I'm alive under him. I've got a future and a hope and a, a citizenship and I've got a heavenly uh, a destiny in front of me. The destiny down here ain't so grand. I, I don't know what your hopes are down here. My name's Benithan. I own that mountain back here. That's mine. I own Benithan Hall, where the university students all graduate. In fact, I found out recently that my forebear paid for and built Benithan Hall so that Pulteney Street could not be extended down to the riverbank because he didn't like the variance away from King from Colonel Light's plan for, for Adelaide. So he said, I'll stop these guys. So he built Benithan Hall right in the way. That's why Popney Street doesn't go down to the zoo. We paid for, we, I'm claiming forbearance here, we paid for two of the clocks in the town hall clock tower. Oh, I'll stick my hand up for that one. We also built Parliament House. I'm not going to put my hand up for that one. They don't do a good enough job. But anyway, or political Paul Shush. My father and his two sibling sisters were in a, first of all, a family grouping of their natural mother passed away. When my father was four years of age, his, his mother passed away. During the war, when Dad was about to go to Borneo in the army, his dad passed away. His dad, between Mum passing away in the war years, had remarried. So my father grew up with a, his dad and a stepmum. Because they were down here at uh, yeah, near Clemson, Marden. With a, with a market garden, my father was honourably discharged from the army to come home in the, in the light of Dad's passing 
to come home and, and continue, the, continue working in the, in the, in the food-growing industry with his stepfather and then his stepmother. The stepfather and the stepmother, because the children, the natural children, my father and his two sisters, weren't protected by good wills, the stepmother and the stepfather cut all the natural children out of the inheritance that was due to them. My father walked away with a little budding knife. My father walked away with a little mouth organ that he used to play. He walked away with a a squeeze box that he used to fiddle with from time to time. He walked away with the clothes on his back. He received nothing out of the Benithan name. But you see, it doesn't matter because I'm not looking for an inheritance here. In fact, I don't give a toss for anyone English here. I don't give a brass razu because my inheritance and my hope is not here in this life. My inheritance and my hope is there in heaven. All I want to hear when I arrive in heaven is well done, good and faithful servant. And that's not because I stand behind the sacred desk here and I, and I use sometimes to present the word. That's not because of that at all. It's because in my life, I want to have served Jesus Christ with a whole heart, with all my life, not wavering, not walking away, not turning my back, but following him so that he will look down and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's the same for you doesn't matter what your role is down here. We either have the opportunity to be good and faithful servants or we have the opportunity to be rebellious and live in a... We have the opportunity to live before God or we have the opportunity to serve this flesh and try and live here. And the conundrum is managing those two together. But the Son of Man and the Son of God manage those two together. Jesus managed those two together. If this is sounding a bit difficult for you, just read how Jesus lived. Just read the Gospels. Let the truth of the Gospel speak into your heart. You see, we in this life, the one thing we must do is we must not go looking amongst the dead trying to find life. The only life that we can really pursue with any energy, with any urgency, with any importance is Him. Paul in, Paul in in Romans 8 says it differently. He says that he lives by the spirit, by the law of the spirit of life, spirit and life, which has set him free from the law of sin and death. Just saying the same thing in different words. He says, the life I've got now, he says, I'm living by the law of spirit. The life I've got now, I live by faith. The life in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. That's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. So this one thing I want you to encourage one another with, that you're seeking your life You're seeking your future 
whatever, if you're a younger person here today and you're looking at a, 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 a career path through life, yes, by all means, do that. Look to the future for your career path. But cover that career path with God. I will do what is your will in my career path. I, I will take the gifts and talents and abilities you've given me and I will use them to serve you in your career. If you're a middle-aged person and you're right in the midst of your life and your career and you're, sometimes it gets a bit boring because the same thing day after day can get boring. I don't care whether you're a lawyer or a garbage can picker-upperer. It can get boring doing the same thing day after day. You need to take that gift and say, God, I'm the best garbage can picker-upper in the whole city of Burnside. I'm the best garbage can picker-upper in the whole city of Onkaparinga. I'm the best lawyer in the, in the town of Adelaide. But I'm not being the best lawyer so I can get accolades. I'm not being the best lawyer so that I can just reach the heights of be made a judge and get onto the Supreme Court bench. I'm not doing those things. I am being the best lawyer because first of all I serve you Lord God hallelujah be the best in, be the best client in the nursing home be the best person there love the people around about you don't seek life or answers to life from among the dead this is only a passing phase heaven is permanent heaven is where you belong Heaven is where your name is written. Heaven is where the Lord of glory knows you individually and personally. And nothing is hidden from him. This one thing I want you to know. On Resurrection Sunday morning, Jesus loves you gave his life for you so that he could give that life into your being so that you could be joined with him forever and ever and ever. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer.